to uh, to think about anyway. Obviously, it's uh, this particular thing does have uh, some uh, particular external uh, SPG that you have to plug into it somewhere. Yeah, yeah. Certainly sounds like something like that. Uh, yeah. Well, in fact, I'm getting a bit out of the technical side of things now. Yeah. Well, that's that's happening with me. I'm, I've sort of become more and more. Uh, Ad, ad, oh, supervising Roland, uh, although the job's supposed to be uh, um, uh, technical supervision, I don't do very much of that. I shy away and uh, concentrate on ordering things or um, <laughs> making sure everybody's put their sick leave form in or something like that. <laughs> but, um, oh, it's yeah. strange how, it's, it's, you know, the more you seem to go up the ladder, the, the less... Uh, it's, your, it's your finding, obviously, the, yeah. the less technically inclined you have to be. And I sort of think the system's built wrong. Perhaps when you when you come into the system, you should be doing all paperwork and things. And, and anyone can do that. <laughs> yeah, that. That's right. You know, you don't really need to, any technical ability. But uh, I suppose the system's structured to look after you. As you get older, you don't have to know so much. So they sort of slip you into. Uh, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> some, somewhere where you can't do a lot of damage. Maybe they think that the older you get, the less likely you are to be involved and uh, keep abreast of the latest technical subjects so they push you into the administration side of things well that's right well see where i've got where i am now they've got all these pewter terminals and uh, really uh, technology is starting to catch up with me they sort of they presented me with this thing and uh, and oh there was four manuals that went with it each one was about uh, two and a half inches thick and they said well here you are away you go and uh, well really i uh, i just well, I know how to turn it on, <laughs> and I know how to create a, a file, but that's about as far as I go. It's got word processing and everything, and because uh, our section being so lousy, they did away with their typists, you see, and uh, they've got all these technical people doing typing as well, and uh, sure, it, it must be the most inefficient um, way of doing things, but uh, there's a few computer-orientated people who look after this system, and they say, oh, no, you should do this and you should do that, but... Uh, I, uh, I don't quite agree with that. I think, uh, yes, we should have a, a typist, but with, with a word processor, and uh, they'd be able to do it uh, much faster. Anyway, I'll get off. Oh, that's right, it is, and you're spend, supposed to spend your time typing, and I upset the system by just doing handwritten notes. I think they're a wake-up, but I, I, I don't really care. Yeah, oh, well. Yeah. We'll all retire soon. Oh, yeah, well, certainly... Um, I could certainly think of a lot of things I could do if I didn't have to spend the time working. Well, I don't know, I suppose the sinks get stripped off or something, but, uh, you know, as long as things are in sync, they seem to work as in those video mixes. As long as the uh, non-sync light doesn't come up, it would pro probably work, I guess. Well, that's obviously what's got to be done with it. There's an interesting film on Channel 10 at the moment. Um, it's a, a, an old one, we'll say, and uh, they started off with a, in a radio station, you know, with a with a, one of those huge RCA microphones, etc. Now they've, I notice it's, they've gone onto television, they've got this, this old camera that uh, looks like a lunchbox with a couple of, <laughs> a big lunchbox with a couple of lenses out of it. It's oh, rather, yeah. rather interesting. Oh, well, they didn't save it, I just can't remember it'll now. Be on just, again, no doubt. Oh, yes, certainly it'll be uh, pre-cycled. That's something, talking about RCA microphones, I was scratching around at work in one of the cupboards and, uh, They've got all these old microphones, and they had a couple of these, you know, these big RCA microphones that have, that sit on a, you know, a U-shaped bracket. And I thought, well, I, I must bring one home and uh, and try it out. It, it'll probably sound house, but <laughs> yeah, or a crystal little pellet microphone or something. <laughs> 
that it looks 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 very impressive. It's um, <coughs> I, I, well, I'm not sure the way they work, but apparently <coughs> you can have a cardioid pattern or or what or a omnidirectional pattern just by uh, flicking a switch underneath. It's got this. You can poke a screwdriver in and switch it round. Apparently, but it's got all these switches and things on it. And uh, oh, I don't know whether it's a ribbon or or a, or a condenser microphone. Or yeah, probably ribbon, I guess. Yes, there's a labyrinth of uh, chambers behind the diaphragm, and by switching that screwdriver arrangement, you actually change a uh, di uh, sort of like a plate that changes shape and uh, varies the pressure, and that changes the uh, directional characteristics of the microphone. There's another way they do it. Uh, sometimes they have a dynamic, uh, you know, ordinary dynamic um, insert and a ribbon insert, and they feed those in and out of phase, and that can also give you. Uh, your cardioid response. Uh, right. I suppose being so old, I think they were pretty susceptible to uh, damage, weren't they, if you bumped them? Or? Yes, they were certainly a bit like that. Uh, if people blow on them, they tend to dislodge the ribbon and it goes for a total tuttle. Uh, of course, there are all uh, recording engineers that would swear by ribbon microphones, or particularly that type, but uh, maybe their ears are so stuffed they can't hear that they're quite a, a porcrophones compared to some of today's things. The main trouble is they had fairly low output, and you had to be very careful about shielding and uh, hum and that sort of thing. Well, in the in the cupboard there next to the, uh, the super scopes, they've got a uh, uh, an old uh, buyer. I think it's 77, is it? The, the one with the it has seven and a half and three and three quarter inches per second. Next to that, they've got an old uh, an old Revox, and uh, oh, I, I suppose you've lifted lifted them up many a time, but. Using all this from the well, well, they don't. They think, oh, we may need it, <clears throat> so we're going to hang on to it, and it sits in the cupboard there. And uh, I, oh, our section used to do a lot of PA work, and here's uh, all these old graphones. I mean, say, <clears throat> if you pulled out one of these old RCAs for um, for a, a, some sort of um, function somewhere, and uh, everybody would laugh. And they've got they've got these old. Uh, just hang on a second. Yes, that's right. They've got these uh, old uh, dynamic uh, billiard ball microphones with the with the baffle on the front of them, and look very impressive. The sort of things you see in uh, Radio One and Two. <laughs> yes, they're very good books, those, weren't they? They showed you all the right equipment to use. Yes, oh yes, they, they are there. Uh, well, I suppose some of the uh, some of the consoles you see in there are a bit old now, but uh, uh, oh, those those are the days when uh, when radio was radio, I suppose. So it's all uh, all very good. Of course, the unfortunate thing is that the whole of Broadcast House is going to be uh, demolished in a few years, and they're getting a new studio complex on the south bank of the Yarra. Really, I didn't. didn't oh, I didn't know that. So they'll be getting rid of the um, <coughs> the the, um, the switch room, and uh, no, uh, I'm going to say, what's it going to be like? Well, I work down the switch room there. You look at the Radio One and Two books, and there's a picture of the switch room back in about 1939, <laughs> and basically it hadn't changed. <laughs> The AR-88C that has moved from one rack to another, <laughs> that was the only thing. Yes. And these ancient valves, just racks and racks of valves just humming and buzzing away. Yes. And this is in the, in the mid-70s. Yes. So is this a, a complete joke? Oh, I suppose, well, it's probably have the same um, speech input equipment and uh, the same line amplifiers, so I have to do uh, tight ones and fours. And That's right, yes, all that sort of thing. Yeah, I don't know, well, oh, that'd be good. Uh, I'll, I'll sort of get in contact with you sort of a week before and just sort of suss you out and see what see what you're doing and uh, uh, that'd be great. I haven't seen you in the visions for quite a few months. I've seen uh, Michael uh, one Sunday night. He was picking his nose on air. It, it looked very nice indeed. No, that's right. What sort of um, picture do you get at uh, <clears throat> your establishment? 
fairly noisy actually. Most of the trouble is in the feed wire between the wall socket and the TV set. There's about, I suppose, 10 or 15 feet of fairly grotty coax. Uh, although there is a proper, you know, UHF tenors up in the roof and it's fed by, you know, normal sort of TV coax, but I think that's old Waltham's cable or something I've got. And uh, it does tend to make the UHF picture rather noisy. Yes, I see. I guess I'll have to go out and buy some decent coax, but uh, it makes you wonder, of course, most of the things you see on that uh, missions are fairly boring, They're not the most stimulating thing in the world. On um, Wednesday nights they have um, a film night, we'll say, and uh, one station that puts... Um Oh, time to time, interesting. There was one about relaxation one night and coping with stress. I thought that was very good. It was something completely non-technically related. And, uh... Yes, I'd be inclined to agree. It's a pity that the system isn't used more to its advantage with the uh, amateur TV network and repeaters and so forth. It should really be sort of like a, a community education system. The problem is that uh, all you see is people testing and, and they do talk. It's, they're talking about uh, boredoms and things like that. Uh, unfortunately, I have missed some of those programs that they have advertised on the broadcast uh, at, at various times. I must catch up with them. But, uh, you know, what's the legality of it? Because that's what stops most people doing those sort of things. I mean, can you just come on the ATV system and produce a documentary program? I mean, uh, what do they think of that? Oh, I, not as far as I know, nobody's been uh, been hit with a performer over it. And uh, yeah. I, uh, <clears throat> I, even some of them have music on, and I, I can't see that, that that really matters. Nobody seems to get uptight about oh. it, and that's the way it should be. Uh, I thought of going to our publicity department at work and getting a few videos, but uh, I never sort of got round it round to it. And I thought I think they'd probably be. Um, pretty eager to uh, supply them because they're, they're always trying to uh, push the barrow these days and say how good good we are and yeah, uh, yeah that's right you could go to the state film center and get out some old uh, films there some of them are quite a laugh you know old documentaries and things like that a uh, bit of a joke and also uh, you know quite uh, entertaining and uh, also part uh, do put on a bit of knowledge too uh, there's one there of 1949 version of uh, you know the techniques techniques of FM transmission and reception you, know, you could build yourself a telecine machine and uh, show some of those. I wonder if they'd let you borrow that to, to airplay it. Technically speaking, no, not at the present time, because uh, on the contract there is a thing you sign that says it's not going to be used for public broadcast or performance. However, the fact it's a non-profit and an educational style of arrangement, I think it, you could possibly get around it that way. I mean, it's no different to showing it in a hall with uh, you know a group of people in a club being showed, shown on uh, ATV could really be argued to be much the same sort of thing because it isn't on the, the mainstream television system. No, well that's, that, that's right, that, that's the sort of subtle difference, that's uh, yeah. the way I sort of took it. Well, see, even our organisation have um, training films that we, which were made, well, during the Second World War and some of them look like they're a real laugh. Yes, they would be, I can imagine. <laughs> and uh, there was a few safety films that were made during the 50s and uh, they're in colour but here's these red uh, FX Holden panel vans running around. <laughs> they're, they're really quite funny. I saw them, you know, in the early 70s yeah. when I was associated with the place and everybody has sort of yeah, killed themselves laughing and, and for, for that sort of thing they'd be... Yes, and of course they'd still be there. Uh, that's right. No, they, these uh, wartime ones are explaining about standing waves and they had these, you know, uh, wafts standing on this um, transmission line. Of course that was supposed to attract everybody's attention. It was, it was a real laugh in black and white and, oh... The, the whole bit, but some of them, um, others I saw, they had uh, like the Central Telegraph office going back years ago, and 
here's all these people, um, uh, you know, they've got telex machines and they're receiving a telegram and, and someone, a telex operator, stands up and says, a telegram! And then there's a, a room where all these telegram boys are and he rushes up and gets on his bike and away he goes. You know, they're in a real laugh and, and then you see people getting into old Austins <laughs> and, uh, and driving off, but uh, they're rather funny. But I thought, oh, I'll get, perhaps, should try and get hold of some of those. But uh, they... <laughs> You know, they may not come out of it. Sometimes yeah. they're a little bit strange. I was listening to a documentary on uh, ABC Wireless a while back and they're commenting on the uh, amateur TV system in Sydney. Apparently it's very advanced. Uh, they have uh, programs and they come on at certain times and uh, have quite a wide coverage of the area and it's sort of run like a proper TV station. Yes, this guy was saying that they, you know, legally they're not allowed to show anything that isn't, uh, you know, that might have third-party connotations or could be uh, misstrewed as being entertainment and of course things with a musical background are totally forbidden but uh, apparently they get away with it they they show this sort of thing all the time and uh, people appreciate it and uh, the powers that be have never really complained to them and so far and they don't really expect any problems either in the future yeah but, I, I think bloggers well obviously it's an infringement but uh, yeah. i don't think people worry about it these days probably if there was strange goings on and on the lower bands but if you're showing a, a videotape and it's got got music on it well you can't very well turn it down because uh, obviously you, really you, you yeah, yeah exactly you can't uh, can't hear what's going on so as i say nobody's sort of worried about it uh, about it uh, too much Yes, traditionally uh, regulations regarding communications have been very draconian, mainly because we inherited the system from the, uh, the British, and they had, of course, the post office having total power over all communications. But I suppose in the last 10 or 15 years we have seen a change in this, and uh, at the moment the regulations haven't changed, but I should imagine uh, yeah, in the not-too-far-distant future regulations will become a lot easier. You know, even with the FM broadcasting, like years and years, well, I think they had some early... Uh, experimental transmissions back 20 or 30 years. That's right, from the tower at Jollymont. That, that's right. Well, why on earth couldn't they establish a, an FM system? It was, I suppose, just politics and uh, really, uh, you know, all that time before there is even, say, one, one um, FM station, whether it be a, a government one or a, a commercial, but uh, really, uh, as you say, it's a, probably a hangover from the... Uh... It certainly seems that way. If you look at the old magazines, the old Tiny Tots and things at the time and read the Neville, Neville Williams editorials and so forth, uh, it's a, quite an argument because they had these tests from the Jollymont station and uh, people thought they were quite good and then they were terminated and uh, the, the official government reasons was that you know, there wasn't enough spectrum space and TV was coming and the public didn't want it and it, it seemed quite uh, an unfortunate situation. But uh, when you look at it, and the real fact, the main problem and the reason that was lobbied against continuing the FM service was that the entrenched interests of the current or the current then owners of the AM stations, uh, they didn't want any competition. That's exactly right. Yes, they were scared of this new medium, and that was the situation up to about ten years ago, and now they've had to face it. Yeah, well, there's uh, community ones popping up all the time. I suppose you sort of listen across there, I do. Oh, the band's totally different now. I tune across, I don't know what to, what to make of it. There's a million missions on now. <laughs> That's right. I believe there's a station down in Moorabbin that uh, does does missions occasionally. I came across a test broadcast a month or two ago and uh, remember seeing a, um, a folded dipole mounted on a pole uh, right near the Moorabbin station on the sort of the... Uh, Oh, the, the southern side of the town hall, sort of just oh, where South oh, Road yeah. goes, and uh, I think that's perhaps where they might have had the had the studio. It wasn't really strong here, but uh, still, it was uh, quite.
quite yeah. quite readable. You could get quite a lot of sense out of it. But uh, yeah. all these uh, all these FM stations popping up. Oh, goodness. Them, <laughs> yeah, so, some of the although they say they're not uh, they don't uh, uh, expect to be a commercial standard, but uh, some of the an announcers are a bit. Uh, well, a bit lacking, I think. Yeah, they're so bad, nobody's going to listen to them. Yes, that's probably why. I think you've got to have some sort of uh, control over what, uh, what what's said and uh, why they go about things. But uh, uh, well. Yes, well, of course, the band was static up, till, up until about 1975. It had been that way since the war. Don't mention the war. Apart from a few uh, country and uh, regional stations that had been built up, it looked like nothing was going to change for quite some considerable length of time. That's right. Have you heard the um, the station, uh, Parliament, the new Parliament station? Oh yes, I have heard that. It seems to come through quite well during the day. At night, it gets clobbered by you know uh, interstate stations on the same channel and next to it and things like that. But uh, its ground wave doesn't seem to be as good as the uh, the official station lower down. Yeah, it's sort of. I listen to it at night sometimes with the Walkman. It's nearly about as strong as RPH. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, yeah. I, I don't know what they're using. I should find out. But I remember talking to a friend of mine out there, and he said they were going to somehow, uh, I think, run it into a, one of the emergency areas or diplex it into the into the tower. But I would have thought if it was going into the tower, it'd be perhaps a little bit stronger than what it is. And uh, perhaps they've got uh, big plans for the future. Yes. I mean, they could have just given them a signal generator and put Parliament into that in Canberra and said, OK, that signal generator on 7 megs and 7 megs is coming the whole country. Yes, that's right. If you really want to listen to it, you can. Put <laughs> up big tenors and directional beams and noise cancelling tenors and things. Yes, yeah, that's right. Well, they could just have it on sideband, you know, 10 watts of sideband from Parliament House <laughs> on 10 megs. Just have a, a beam on the on the flagpole. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> yes, uh, well... I just kept the VLH going just for Parliament. Yes. Oh, speaking of VLH and missions, have you heard the, the new um, uh, time signal missions on 5 megs? They may even be on tonight. I, they've had uh, test missions going. I, I came across it last night on, I think it was 5 megs, and they had an announcement every so often that it was a VNG and uh, from the new location in New South Wales, wherever it was, and uh, it was uh, beeping away and uh, doing all the things that it... Uh, Apparently used to do it was around about a strength nine or so, but uh, oh, yeah. I, I no, I couldn't tune it now. I'd, uh, well, I'd have a listen here. Five, uh, uh, I see one's not working good. Yeah, oh, it's quite strong. Yeah. But why do they have it in the same frequency as WWV? Ah, oh, who knows? They're just beating together. Are they? Yeah, that's VNG. Right. But... I, I don't know. I didn't know um, WWV was on 5 megs. Or... 2.55 and 10. 15. Oh, oh I, uh, I don't know. Because it's a bit of a waste. It certainly is. I don't know why they just didn't put it on back on 4.5 where, uh, where it used to be. I think they've lost that frequency. Oh, yeah, yeah, but uh, if you listen on it, though, it... Uh, certainly hasn't got the commotion going on that's going on now. No, no, five, it's four, four point five is a much better channel. It's, uh, mm. it's, um, you can always put on there, of course. Yes, that's right. Um, yeah, the static, really, and the, some girls issues just put on anyway, no one cares these days. Yes. But, uh. um, now, talking about big misses, 
you know how the um, uh, actually Septions is getting better at the moment too. Is it? Yeah, there's a bit of. Uh, don't have to get here in the background there. Perhaps the weather's clearing up. Clearing through a lot better. Um, you know how the the, car, the WIA is being kicked out of the museum. Oh no, I didn't know that. Yeah, they've been they're giving them given their marching orders. Mm-hmm. Um, they had to get out quick, I think. Of course, the museum wanted that area for something else. Mm. Not surprising. Yes. Probably dinosaurs are more interested in the public than... Well, they probably want to put something that's stuffed there. Well, the museum station was always stuffed, so... <laughs> that's very good. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, now, they had two big U.S. Navy methods there. It used mm. to run one... No, it used to run 80 and 40 a.m. Mm. Big sort of... Did you ever see them? Yes, I saw those. Yeah, I wonder... Those people probably wanting to... Uh, do something with them, you know. Well, well they might. I think they were um, screen modulated. That, that was the only uh, drawback back oh, with yeah. them. But if you were going to start an inland service, well, I think they'd probably be the sort of thing you'd, oh, you'd yeah. really need. You wouldn't worry about sideband. You've got enough AM there. You could build a little elaters. <laughs> yes, yeah. But, oh, yes, you could. I think they were... Oh, I forget what they call those, but they were oh, two, two eight one threes in the, in the final. And, uh, they, oh, they made a, a bit of noise. Um, yeah, they weren't very well... In a good, I don't think they never worked, ever worked well. No, no. Well, people didn't know how to drive them. You that's see. right, yeah. Got to have a sort of a, a feeling for equipments like that. Exactly, that's quite correct. Do you know uh, where they're going to move to? I think they're still trying to negotiate maybe another spot in the museum or, oh, or yes. whatever. But, oh. uh, I don't know. but they could move them out to Lindhurst, I suppose. <laughs> they're down in the hole in the ground. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, it was probably probably the uh, the operators at the at the yeah, time. I think all the announcers like to twiddle the knobs and uh, have a play with it before uh, you know a mission uh, first thing on Sunday morning. That's right. Yeah. Uh, I don't uh, usually hear the broadcast. I'm always uh, out. I should uh, really record them. Uh, I sort of miss out on uh, usually all, all the the broadcasts, the very important information that's uh, always. Yeah, so much. Yes. Oh yes, that's right. had those and uh, probably always well I, I believe they're going to sell the rooms again is, is that right yeah. I thought to myself deja vu I remember the the, the four seven the ones at Victoria Parade when they sold those I thought well that's the worst thing they ever did because at least that was sort of that was more central but when they went out yeah. to I think I've only ever been to the rooms once uh, at Brunswick that was on a Saturday morning and I, I couldn't find anywhere to park anyway and uh, I thought well what, what did they do this for and uh, of course, people who were, were in possession of all the facts told us that we should do it, but uh, I suppose I'll buy back for a uh, listeners' group uh, downstairs and... Uh... Yeah, yeah, I've been to Victoria Street Place once and to the Brunswick. Yeah, they're both so very, very convenient to this side of the city. Oh, that, that's right. It's funny, they had their rooms that side and their missing place as far out of the city this side as they could possibly go. <laughs> Yes, yeah, well, the poor guys who do the broadcasts, I mean, uh, I suppose if you like driving, it's, uh, you can go for a drive down the uh, back blocks of Dandenong, I'm not sure sure where it is, but uh, it's the worst possible place for uh, for VHF, I suppose they're, they're using um, a repeater, but, uh, well, on, on six metres you can't, well, yeah. the time I've heard I couldn't hear it very well here, yeah. but, uh, I don't know. They don't have six anymore. Don't they? No. Yeah, right. One day someone reported in that six is very strong and one of them 
there's a room that's sort of a bit strange. I mean, if you, if you I mean, all the uh, people who do the, the Sunday morning car, they wouldn't want to live out of Essendon or somewhere like that. No. Or, you know, Broad Meadows or something. Yes. It's really restricting it to people as far as the city, which is a bit, a bit silly. I heard some months ago that apparently all the members of the broadcast committee resigned and apparently they must have all been reinstated or something, there was some, some uh, stir on. And, uh, there's been big stirs and big super um, reorgs and uh, yeah. feelings and the whole lot apparently. Yeah, but uh, the people must be doing something because there seems to be, a, well, from your comments, a, a broadcast that pops up every week with monotonous regularity. <laughs> of the financial state of the institute uh, and do, uh, do some sort of uh, sound business uh, decision and sell the property, perhaps, I don't know, perhaps they're going to rent something and uh, do it that way or just, just meet at the uh, at the science museum, perhaps, or under the dome at the, uh, the state library. <laughs> or at the baseball club in Robin or Yeah, Yes, that's, that, that's right. <laughs> Which I suppose, uh, well, I suppose, when you, I suppose you have to keep a, a building going and uh, that sort of thing. It may end up, well, perhaps being a bit cheaper. But uh, I think once you once you sell your um, sell, sell your rooms, uh, you've got no identity. Well, well, I suppose so. Perhaps I'm a bit old-fashioned, but uh, I, well, do, do you really need rooms? I suppose not. Uh, Victoria Street room could be worth a million dollars now. Oh yes, that's right. Well, because there are people moving in there, and uh, it's a place to be around the area. Yeah. Yes, yeah, I suppose I'll, I'll make something out of it. It's not the sort of place I normally go to. No. <laughs> no, it's, it's not a sort of a name that you sort of remember. No. <laughs> uh, the rooms are there, we must go to the rooms. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so the time I went in there had all these old teleprinter motors in the on display in the window. You could actually press your nose up against the window and look at all these uh, these goodies. But uh, I think they were into teleprinters at that stage and trying to unload quite a few. <laughs> the, the, the only time I went there for a function was in the early days of teleprinter TV, and Ron Harrison was going to do a, do a big, big big display. Yes. So we all went, we went there and sat in the you know the, the public room there. And what was going to happen? Ron Harrison was going to be in the back room and give the lecture via television. Rick didn't watch his television and he'd see it via cables, you know, real live TV. Anyway, after an hour of trying to work with the squiddlies on the TV and funny noises and lines and the TV flashing on and off, he gave up and walked through the door and gave it live from the table. <laughs> and we also thought it was a bit of a joke. We wanted to see what this guy looked like yes. and we could get a few glimpses, you know, Occasionally the TV would lock up for long enough to sort of had this pinstripe suit and had this, he just walked through the door in full, you know, colour. Yes. And there he was and he continued to, continued it like that. The real Ron Harrison, did he have his, uh, his cap on? Yeah, I think he had his. Because uh, I think he was always very famous for this uh, ATV cap. I, mm. I, yeah, I've seen him wear it once or twice, but uh, I, I don't think I'd... Uh, Go that, to that extreme. No, no. I, I. What's he? Is he still around or what? Yes, he hasn't been. He's been very quiet for 
more, quite a few months, but of late he started uh, uh, popping up again and uh, putting, uh, putting a picture on. Yeah. Um, like, like all of us, usually nothing, nothing very exciting, but... Uh, It's strange. Some of the there's some a new group of stations popping up at the moment, and look, some of them I I don't know. They um, they've got sort of no. They don't really care how they present themselves. I think if you sort of poke a camera at yourself, all that, even though it's a, uh, an amateur type uh, situation, you well here they are puffing on a, a cigarette, and um, you can tell by their their hands that they've obviously been smoking a number of years, and uh, you know well. They just look shocking, and uh, yeah. I, uh, well, perhaps it's me, I'm being a little bit pedantic about the whole thing, but uh, I try and sort of come up, you don't have to be a, a star or anything, but um, at yeah, least have your hair done or look sort of semi-presentable, or, yeah, but uh, there was a guy sitting in his shack one night without his shirt on, well, I don't suppose <laughs> that, that really matters, but uh, yeah. here's all these people watching, and oh, I suppose it doesn't matter, but... Uh, all, uh, all very exciting, but uh, of course you've got to be careful where, where you point the, the camera in the shack, and uh, you know nothing like uh, right. letting everybody know what what you've got. That's and, the uh, problem with it, isn't it? Yeah, well, there's a few of them that sort of. Uh, well, I most of my gear is all go old stuff, so I haven't got any any real worry. I think I'd probably pay someone to take it, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so some of them have uh, you know all this latest uh, latest stuff, and uh, must be worth thousands and thousands. And I just sort of poke the poke the camera around yeah. and. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, they're willing to look at my old junk any old time. Look at the 348, people ask you what it is. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the station C, and uh, what's that? But, uh, oh, I like my uh, 348. Uh, it's unmodified, apart from an AC supply, and I'm, I'm quite proud of it. Oh, certainly, certainly would. It's a good machine. That's right. You, you could have a, you know, an icon brochure stuck up on the wall and just a... Uh -huh. <laughs> you know, someone who's been watching comes around to, uh, you know, relieve your equipment. All those uh, old 348s and AB20s and things. Yes. The, the, can't even move. Yes, they could t relieve you of your cardboard cutouts. They'd need a, need a truck to move the mitters. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right. Oh, well. But isn't it, you know, come on, you know, usually, oh, press the, I've got one of the buttons preset on the... It, it does. Like, like, there's a few of them that, uh, that you know, go to a bit of trouble. Um, I don't think sort of they're aware of the, uh, the implications. Uh, like, it's you know, sort of get the reputation for being a bit of a scruff or anything. Uh, like, you don't have to be dainty, but uh, I think you should yeah. be reasonably concerned. It's not like uh, talking on the missions yeah. box here. It's uh, right. it doesn't really matter. But uh, well, it's similar. Like when you're talking on air, you don't you try and have your thoughts a little bit collected. Yes. And not, not down as gruff as maybe you are if you're sort of, you know, digging a hole in the yard or something. Yes, that's right. And it's a similar sort of thing. And I wonder how many people are tuning around, you know, and see this and I wonder what the hell it is, you know.
Yeah, well, it's, it's quite strange because um, at work, um, people, some people I sort of hardly know, sort of in a different area, I walk in. And this happened the other week when I, after I'd borrowed one of these cameras. It must have been the extra quality or something. But I said, oh, I saw you on TV last night and it, it got all around the place. And uh, I didn't even know, that, even knew that they knew it was there. But apparently uh, there's quite a few viewers uh, around Melbourne and uh, I'm quite surprised it hasn't made the green guide yet. So... <laughs> Uh, all we need is a, a write-up on the uh, on the front page, and uh, probably get a, a lot more viewers. Yeah, there have been um, write-ups at some stage. Have they? In the early stages, right. on a TV station and so forth. Mm. But we really need another boost. <laughs> and, uh, and see what uh, what we can make of it there. Yes. Mm. Particularly, people start making silly little documentaries, and um, you know, if I had the time, it'd be fun to run around with a recorder and make silly little things. You know? Yeah, I think, you know, the sort of line of work you're in, you'd probably yeah. do a, quite a quite a good job at them. Definitely, if you don't want to do it when you get home from work. No, no, that's... I could go and do an interview with John Kane. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, well, where are you from? Oh, oh, I'm from the uh, the amateur TV group. Who? <laughs> that's right. You'd roll up at all the, um, the, you know, the big press conferences. Yes. You'd be out camera and... Uh, yeah, you could do a Norman Gunston or something yeah. like that. and. <laughs> Yes, and uh, who are you from? Oh. VKTV. <laughs> yes. Yeah, very, very important. But, uh, uh, big, big views and things, goodness. What sort of power are they running from the, the repeater? Oh, it's uh, 10 watts. Big, big bash power. It's actually, I've seen it, it's a commercial translator that they've, uh, the actual transmitter is. And um, they've got a lot of control equipment. Of course, they built themselves. But the actual meter itself is a, uh, a uh, or was a, uh, a commercial uh, translator. So it's probably cap capable of quite quite good pictures. Yeah. Just yeah. that it doesn't usually get them. Mm. <laughs> Does it? Um, they used to run bigger power at one stage, didn't they? Oh, I, I don't know. They may have. Um, I shouldn't imagine they could go too much higher because they might get sort of a desensitisation. Yeah. Um, but, uh, well, they've got this gas fit preamp on the front of the receiver, and, it, well, I reckon the receiver's a bit bit deaf, but right. they, they tell me that it's not, so yeah. basically you've got to, got to believe what they say. Did most ATV work through the repeater, or did people do any um, simplex stuff? Oh, there was, um, for the repeater, quite a lot of simplex work on 426, I think it was, but uh, I think most of it's through the repeater because it's uh, sort of so easy to do. You've got a yeah. uh, got a better viewing uh, audience. Uh, That's right. If, if you do that. If you lived on Mount Daniel, you'd be right, though, wouldn't you? Yes. Well, that, have a big mission station. That's uh, that, that's exactly right. I suppose I should put it on now. There doesn't seem to be anybody on, but uh, I don't know. I don't want people to know what I look like when I'm conducting missions. <laughs> well, you could do dual bands, you know. Yes. Yeah. I suppose. I suppose you could. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, oh well. Very good. And uh, oh, so you've been uh, working hard over the last few months, I suppose, and uh, uh, I so heard of, oh, I've heard you putting on uh, various missions from time to time, but uh, yeah. hasn't been a lot of live missions about. No, 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 this is the first live mission for some time. Yes. I think I've had a few bits of live, but uh, basically it's, um, you know, uh, people don't want to come on or something, you know, people don't want to talk these days. Yes. I don't know, really. But uh, I've been sort of fairly involved in sort of a few technical things around here and, uh, mm. and, and stuff like that. Have you still got those uh, those old lamps up on the edge of the rack there? When you know the uh, the red one and the and the white one when you when you're on air, those, oh, yeah, yeah, those they're, brass they're, ones. Yeah, they're still there, so I can tell if the uh, you know if the carriers left on or whatever. <laughs> 
Yes, we should always have a, you know, a, a very comprehensive set of uh, station alarms, and uh, I was right. I was most taken with those. I thought they uh, they, they looked uh, like they looked very good. Yes, they do. You should. Have you got a green one? No, no. Oh, yeah. it's just, um, that is a, uh, the green one's too uh, too low a volume or something. Ah, oh, so I see. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, you see, you wire it all up, and then sort of six months later, you realise you shouldn't have done that, done it that way, and you want to incorporate more features, and you can't. That's right. Well, that, that's what happened with mine, and uh, oh, well, I've got a spare jack field underneath the, the main jack field that's not used, but it's such a pain to get it out and uh, poke all the cables around. It's uh, I think people don't often realise the sort of the amount of work that goes into it when you when you're not sort of um, talking on the missions. You're usually uh, wiring something up. This is exactly it. I mean. The idea was to have the jack fields all coming out to an IDF block set mm. actually without get, having to get behind the rack. You could put in any feature you wanted without having to get underneath and all sort of But to do that, you often take the, um, the easy way out and just wire things directly to where they've got to go and so yes. forth. In yeah. the long term, it's a pain if you want to change things. That's right. That's right. Well, see, uh, my, my uh, system of uh, jack fields perhaps not as comprehensive as yours, but if you haven't been near it for a while, and then you sort of wire something in and you don't label it. Um, you can spend an hour or two trying to find out what you've done. And <laughs> That's right. And if, yeah. so, if something doesn't work, you're sort of scratching your head wondering now, how, how did it used to patch? And uh, I've got most of them labelled, but even with them labelled, I've got quite a number of cords plugged into it and uh, it takes a while to sort of trace them when they're all tangled up as to, oh, to what case we're. Exactly right. And You've got relays that click and clack uh. what they're doing, and that they're changing audio lines and things. And because you never put the labels you've written on in Loy tape have fallen off. Yes, Floodlight normally plugs in is where I've got the uh, the middle plugged in, you see, and uh, it's a bit of a problem now. I'm faced with it, so. Uh, oh, it's Things like to come. Yeah. Like so you actually uh, on. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, I think that's right.
don't think I've put them on before together, and uh, it's just interesting to see, uh, in fact, uh, what it's like. Yeah, that's 
assaulted, but I uh, I didn't. Now about this time the um, oh no no, it's usually uh, you've got to decide uh, which train's going to be first, whether it's the Sandringham train or the Frankston train, and you run between each platform to uh, see what's going on. Ah, there it is. Ah, dear. So you, so, so you turn around and you think to yourself, oh, goodness, not again. So, so at this stage you sort of move to another platform. But I... Uh, Got a few trains and things. They sound uh, sound quite interesting when you uh, when you play them back, and uh, uh, so you know with a good uh, machine uh, that, uh, with some sort of limiting in it, it uh, does quite a good job with it. Yeah, it's quite interesting sound effects, really, aren't they? Does it sit? Does it sound like I'm on the station? Oh, it's got a bit ambient about it. I'll just turn it off then and I'll turn it back on. Probably hear the hear the clunk. And it was good in the train too because um, it, it's the sort of thing that wouldn't normally happen to you, but there was some poor woman who was confused and didn't know whether it was going to stop at South Yarra. You know, all the usual things nobody usually knows. And they were having a discussion about, uh, about this train. And uh, oh, it was uh, very good. And. Uh, during part of the journey I turned it off and people sort of wondering what I was doing uh, groping around in my bag but uh, um, I could sort of see this microphone sticking at the top so I think they sort of hid behind their newspapers and uh, sort of pretended they didn't want to uh, know what was going on. Oh, that one's a diesel. It uh, sounds very good when it goes. Oh, yes, yes. Well, see, I wanted to go to Flinders Street during the peak hour and uh, get quite a few of those, but I, I just uh, didn't, uh, unfortunately, get the get the time. But I will, uh, will do something like that. Um, so. Uh, Oh yes, it, it has the presence about it, does it? That's right. It, um, yeah, I did some similar things some many years ago. I got luckily the red, the old red rattling. Oh yes. Quite yeah, that they'd be good. Um, all the, uh, the doors and uh, you know people trying to get into the sliding doors that uh, that wouldn't open. And uh, you should imagine, as you say, that'd be uh, quite good. Yes, yes, they usually had a flat spot on the wheel and bang, 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 bang. <laughs> So you can hear a compressor going there. I was wondering if that was going to... Oh, yes, tramo. Yeah, no, no, that's still the train, but I didn't want to, standing on a crowded station, I didn't want to produce this microphone out of a bag and uh, point it at it. I was sort of a little bit self-conscious about those sort of things, and uh, perhaps when I've got more confidence, I uh, I may do that. But some of these sounds are really uh, really quite uh, quite interesting. And when you uh, think about this, when you go to some places, uh, 
and think about the sounds around you. They're really, um, really quite, uh, quite interesting. That's what I thought I'll do with the uh, the quarters. Just pick up a few uh, odds and sods here and there, and uh, see how they uh, see how they come up. Well, look, sounds I think are, are probably um, underrated. Yes. Because if you listen specifically to in stereo and you put on the can <laughs> and you play it back, it's a, it's like being there. Yes, it is. Yes. And you can sit there and sit at work perhaps and think, well, I'm not really here. <laughs> Have you? Did you ever, you ever go to the, you know, the Ted G's? Um, Ham radio shop in High Street, which yes, certainly Ted did. Was running it. Uh, who was running it? Ted. He was a real Ted. Man. Yes, yes, I remember Ted. And he used to rave on like anything. Yes. Well, I've got stereo recordings of him <laughs> raving on. <laughs> oh, that it sound good. He probably wouldn't have suspected that it was going. No, he didn't. Did you sort of uh, put it up on the on the up on the the bench and have a word with him? And well, I, I asked leading questions, things that, you know, so he'd get on his hobby horse, <laughs> and start raving on about them and things like that. Did you have to uh, censor some of it out? Oh, it's a lot of it is. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, no. Well, he, he used to get quite wound up at times. He, he used to the certain subjects that he always, you know, could really get him going. And uh, that's right. Yes, you wouldn't go there to buy anything. You just go there and have a, you know, hear him blab on for hours. Yes, yeah, that's that's uh, that's right. He'd always complain about his bad back. <laughs> they used to have a PA system, and they'd be up the office upstairs. Yeah. And they had this microphone hanging down. They could hear people talking all their cookers. Do you remember that? Yeah, I didn't know about the microphone. Fortunately, I never pilfered anything. <laughs> But I know if you, uh, you know, knew them well, or they'd take them upstairs and they had sort of, um, sort of basic facilities up there, I think. Very basic. <laughs> and, uh, of course, in the early stages, you weren't allowed to go in down where they used to back the trucks in. That was a big no-no. You couldn't go out there or, or right out the back either. Yeah, that's where the good equipment was. Yes, that's right. But uh, I think as they got more and more hard up, they, they had to open the place up a bit. And uh, remember, right down the back, there was a hole in the floor and they had this... <laughs> <laughs> That's the one, and of course you'd, you'd always forget about it, and you'd go down the back there to suss out some uh, some gem, and uh, you'd end up nearly tripping over and falling out against an old, uh, um, you know, the sink pulse generator or something, some something that they they could never get rid of, and it used to always sit in the same spot. But That's this, right, been there about 20 years. Yes, that's right, and uh, oh well, uh, yes, it was uh, quite interesting those places, but uh, I suppose I uh, they're gone forever now, and uh, probably never never come back again. Now look, I'll tell you what, I, uh, something quite fantastic talking about this sort of thing was, you know Waltham used to be in the city? Yes. The original Waltham, that was like the, the original yep. electronic junk store. And um, a couple of weeks ago I was in Sydney for, for work, for a couple of days, mm. and uh, I had a half, spare half hour, and I was walking up Oxford Street, <laughs> and I came across this yellow sign that said, Waltham Dam, <laughs> and all these childhood memories came back to me. Like, this is the original, you know, the main um, yeah, shop of the original Waltham. Yes. Yeah. Uh, still going in Sydney, apparently. Goodness. Well, did you go inside? It's just, it's, you know, it's 1940s ex-World War II junk. It, what, the, is there any, like, radio-type junk? Oh, it's, it's, all, it's all radio and electronic stuff. Really? It's like going to a disposal store in the 60s, 
Yes. Things so old. I mean, even C42s and things are, are not there because they're too modern. Yes. You know, your number 19 sets and funny things with big booby bells and, yes. you know, prism microscope, <laughs> twizzy, million gear train sort of things. And boxes, I used to, they used to sell these sort of boxes that had boxes of spare bells written on them. Yes, that's and right. They've got those there. Oh. And all this ancient stuff. <laughs> Well, I thought they'd, they'd completely folded up. I know it, it, there was what, Deitch Brothers, is that what they call them? Yeah, a couple of shops down. Yes, well, I, I uh, as a kid, I'd always sort of, when you sit in the barber shop and read the Post magazine, yeah. I, I'd always opened up to Deitch Brothers and sort of drooled over the goodies. And I remember the first time I went to Sydney, well, I had to go to Deitch Brothers, so I went there and uh, sussed out all the goodies. And I thought, well... Probably, um, I thought uh, Waltham's was perhaps a little bit better, but they did have uh, quite an array of stuff, and uh, I didn't really buy anything when I was there, but uh, some of the things were interesting, like uh, old carbon microphones, you sort of buy those. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's right, you sort of got to, got to buy something when you when you go in there, you sort of all keyed up, so uh, if it wasn't anything else, I used to pick up the uh, occasional... Uh, carbon fist microphones, you know, the one that has those uh, yeah. funnels on the front. Remember the, um, the Melbourne store used to go underground? That sort of, uh, yes, yes. It was really quite fun. It was a big sight for me to go down there. You'd spend your 7 and 6 and <laughs> up all year and go and buy a meter with a bent point drive. That's, that's right. Well, I used to rush down there by lunch hour when I first started work and by the time you got down there, you, you look, you really didn't have enough time to, to get round. It was... Uh, you sort of had to do the shop by by segments. You'd think now I'll That's do right. do the first bit down, perhaps under the stairs where where you came down at the front, and uh, and you can also go up the back. I think from uh, from memory, I thought that the stairs at the back were always for staff. But one day I was in there and I saw someone uh, who was obviously a customer went up the the back stairs. So I thought, well, this is good for me, so I could you could sort of do a complete circuit of the shop. That's right. <laughs> and there's a flashing boob light that said that's right, that's right. And you'd, you'd go down there and head to these funny old guys behind the behind the counter and there was always some guy who'd been in the, you know, the army signals who was uh, uh, discussing, uh, you know, uh, fond memories over the counter and, of course, you'd, you'd pick up your gem that you found and, of course, you'd be on a time limit and you're always running late and uh, he'd want to have a talk for a quarter of an hour and you wanted to pay and, because uh, being a young lad, they'd, they'd ignore you and... Uh, Oh, many a time I was late back to work because of that, but uh, I remember uh, buying a whole lot of coaxial cable there one uh, one one time. It was must have been a couple of hundred metres, and I was on about a, a four-foot roll, and uh, I got this stuff home on a peak hour train. I must have... Uh, <laughs> oh, I had a seat all to myself with it, but uh, when you think of some of the things you used to do, and, of course, the stuff was useless anyway. It was get it home and try and use it, and... Uh, it was probably all right 30 years ago, but um, by this time it was just really a, a waste of money. So I gave up buying their coaxial cable, the, particularly the, the what was supposed to be the, the low-loss stuff. It'd be good for, uh, for it's good for DC wire. Yes, well that's that's right, and uh, they did have some coaxial cable there, uh, thinner stuff, 70 ohms. That was quite all right. I used to use that on quite a lot of things. Um, it was quite good considering, but some of this old stuff it had sort of a um, a flex type um, dielectric, or flax I suppose, as you'd call it, and uh, oh, it was uh, horrible stuff. But uh, oh, well, those, uh, those days have, uh, have gone I think and uh, probably never come back again. I sort of uh, 
used pewter shops where they have all these old computers down in the basement mm. and young boys will think, oh, all this good stuff, all disk drives and things like that and, uh, oh goodness, you know, fancy buying anything off that. <laughs> And how we're going. Quite that's uh that's right. It's awful embarrassing, like you pick something up and a whole heap of gear falls on the on the ground and uh, you sort of got to try and pretend that uh, it was all an accident. Usually it was, it's just, just the way they used to uh, pack things and uh, it was uh, oh, very embarrassing on that sort of thing. Uh, yeah, what have we got there, the gates? Yes, they're the, uh, the Glen Huntley gates. You know, where the trams go through and the, the, oh, yes, yes. the pentagraph or whatever it is usually comes and zaps onto the uh, the railways. Yeah. And uh, that's the Frankston Express there coming through at the moment. That's that's the train I should have got because I, I got off at Caulfield and of course it didn't stop at Glen Huntley so I had to stand around there for uh, about 10 minutes waiting for another one. Uh, so, uh, there... have to wait for the train to go before you start talking again. Oh, goodness. I, w I wanted to stand right near where the bell was, you see, but um, they have bells on both sides, and um, the side I was on, when the gates first uh, come on, the bell rings for about 10 seconds and stops. And it's the one over the other side where the, where the pizza restaurant is. That one keeps going. So, oh. so if you're ever doing it, um, make sure you're always on that side, near where the uh, uh, on the other side. That that bell goes all the time there. I can't make it up. <laughs> yeah, so it's very very important. And uh, well, shortly the tram should come along, and uh, trams are always uh, interesting commodities to listen to. So uh, we're in Glen Huntley Road at the moment. It's about uh, oh, 10 to 6, I suppose, uh, on a Friday. Actually, it was last Friday. So, uh, at the moment, I'm probably looking in the uh, in the health food shop. You probably know that one right near the station. Oh, yes. Well, they sell the uh, the wholesome yogurt ice cream. It's probably worse for you than normal ice cream. And, uh, yes, oh, yes. Very good, Jim. You've got to know all these places. I did, did stop it here, but uh, it's worth worth hearing the tram. Um, there's this, uh, when I was, once again, uh, things happen that don't normally happen. There's this guy that got on the tram, and um, he was a, um, well, I would say he was a country and western musician. He had sort of one of those hats on, uh, uh, a scarf, and... Uh, well, you know the sort of clothes they they dress in and the yeah, boots they wear. Like Hank, Hank Williams or something. Yes, that's right. And uh, well, he sort of spoke like it, and uh, he knew the tram driver actually. Uh, when the tram came up, he waved to him and waved his guitar case. And uh, anyway, they had a chat on the tram. The tram driver was so friendly with him that he actually opened his little door that they sit on. Really? Uh, <laughs> and they <laughs> they had a bit of a chat while they were going down uh, Glen Huntley Road and. Uh, Oh, this is on the tram there. 
sounds a bit like a green tram, I think, doesn't it? Yeah. Ah, there, yes, there it is. Ah, yes, there's that knocking noise. It's recognise that anyway. Because I sat on the wrong spot on the tram, I should have sat over the compressor, but I was down the wrong end, so I'll know that next time. Yeah. Now, hopefully we should hear the... Uh, I think it's a couple of stops down this guy gets on and uh, chats away. And once again, I, I would have produced the microphone out of the bag and pointed it at him, but uh, he might have uh, taken exception to it, I think. Got to be reasonably discreet with these sort of things when you're, when you're bugging people. I should have got it off the floor, I think. Um, I think the microphone might have got a few bad vibes, but um, next time I'll put it on the seat, I think. Th this was just really a test run just to establish what... Oh, anyway, we're stopping. Perhaps he gets on now. Oh, there it goes. <laughs> Feel that surge of acceleration? Nice. Lifting up motor. That's right. Oop. That might have been the bell. Hope the listeners are appreciating this. Imagine lying back in bed listening to your Walkman, listening to trams. And, uh, and for those who've got stereo, well, uh, they'll really have the uh, sense of presence, I think. this guy to get on it should be soon otherwise I'll I'll be at my stop. Oh here he is. Is he? Oh, yeah, not bad. Yeah, Start Huey must be the uh, the tram driver, so... Uh... Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes, that's right. Well, see, he was all... He was dressed in his uh, country and western clothing, and I was sort of thinking, well, <clears throat> oh, he probably gets used to wearing it, but, uh, um, you know, being seen in public in it, I, I thought was uh, a bit bit much. Uh, yeah. I certainly wouldn't wear it, but uh, no. I suppose when you're into that sort of thing, it doesn't really matter. No, that's right. I mean, I'll tell us people just taking microphones around. <laughs> Yeah, so you should uh, always be careful when you see someone reaching into their into their bag. You never know what bad missions are going on. That's right. So this is you got to do more of these um, like actualities. Well, yeah, I've got a few uh, 
few plans of uh, things to do. Uh, I was just going to establish a bit of a, a library of sort of sound effects so, you know, for various things. Sometimes they're handy at times and uh, there's some things that you really should record that uh, in years to come that won't be around and I uh, thought well if I've got the machine available I might, uh, might, might do it. That's very important to do like that. Um I'm recording the actual Glen Huntley game before when they were real games. Yes. And uh, I've got some um, film, 8mm film of red trains going to the Glen Huntley game. Uh, and I was being with a guy a while back, he was, he was videoing the Glen Huntley gates. You know, of course they were going to change to, to uh, boom gates. And he said, oh, you know, I'm just you know, filming, the, videoing the, the gates. And I said, oh, well, you know, Gee, there's only silver trains that I, yeah, I would have loved to have got red trains. I said, well, I've got some, you know, film of red trains going to the Glen Huntley Gates, and he almost had a, had a, a spat them on the spot. Said, really? Really? Oh, how can I get a copy of it, you know? <laughs> oh, dear. And I said, it's got the Roland Drapery store in it to boot. Yeah, well, that's right. That was sort of quite a, a landmark, and well, even the the shoe shop next to the uh, the Glen Huntley station. See, that's gone now, yeah, and uh, um, that was very handy. I remember a couple of times I had a a couple of repairs that had to be effected there, and uh, they were quite prompt. You could drop them off in the morning, and uh, uh, they were ready at night. They were quite uh, quite handy for that sort of thing. So oh, yeah. it's uh, very uh, very good. Um, yeah. Well, you should go out and do some videos too for the other missions and uh, have a little travel log on for uh, people to watch. Yeah, oh, well, see, I've only got an AC-powered uh, machine and uh, it's, it's a bit hard to sort of take an extension cord out and... Uh, I'll build an inverter. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But yeah. I, um, I'll just go and get the, get the pamphlet, something I was going to mention too. Okay. Right. Um, yes. What? What? What brought that about? Actually, was that when I was talking about the uh, the uh, goings on under the city. I uh, sitting in the train the other day and reading over someone's shoulder the newspaper, and they had an open day for the old Spotswood sewage pumping station. So I thought, well, I better go down and have a look. So I don't know if you've been down there. It's quite interesting, really. People have mentioned that that was an exceptionally good afternoon. Yes, well, it's, um, they even supply you with a, a colour pamphlet as you walk in the door, and the best part about it is that it's free. <laughs> and it's, it's down um, Williamstown Way, it's actually right next to the Westgate Bridge on the, on the Yarra there, and um, there's these two buildings, and they look like um, uh, sort of French type uh, architecture. They call it uh, on the front of the pamphlet. They call it Chateau Spotswood Vintage, 1897. And I should really have a TV on to show you this, but it's it's quite interesting. They had these steam engines inside these buildings that were sewage pumps, and um, they had some very old electric motors. They apparently they started to replace the uh, the pumps with. Uh, electric motors for obvious reasons, around uh, right about 1922 I think they said. And uh, <clears throat> well the, the two major buildings uh, contained these pumps and then at the end of each building they had a um, uh, sort of a, um, a small rectangular building with sort of rounded ends 
and these contain a building called a, uh, well they call them a straining well building and actually the one at the northern end, it's worthwhile driving past sometime to have a look, but um, there's this pit that actually goes down to the sewer and they lower this, um, uh, it's like a big sieve, they drop it down to catch any large object, objects before it uh, got into the pumps. And oh, the smell, it was, I sort of looked down there and oh, this, oh well, smell came wafting up and really made, made me sick. But this actual pumping station, they don't, they don't use it anymore. And um, they're planning to, um, to turn it, it's been classified by the National Trust and they're planning to turn it into a, a techno, technological type, uh, type museum. And uh, they do open it up on certain occasions. I remember, I think last year they opened it up at the, the same time and you can walk amongst these uh, old steam engines and uh, they actually um, had the one of the engines turning over. They, it wasn't running off steam, they had a compressor going and uh, you know, all the valves and things were going up and down and you know the, those, those governors they have with the two balls on them that spin round while one of those was turning around and uh, had all these old boilers out the back but uh, it was uh, quite interesting. Um, I was sort of uh, hanging around for about an hour and a half. The people I went with weren't particularly interested. But uh, actually even inside the buildings where the um, <coughs> the uh, actual pumps were, they had these, um, well they had the actual steam engine at floor level and below that I think the engine drove a pump and then they had this well that sort of went down Oh, at an estimation, I suppose about 30 feet, 40 feet, and a shaft would go right down and um, onto a pump. So I think the idea was that, uh, oh, according to the map here of, um, what does it say? Yeah, it's got a copy of it. 18. It says Melbourne and Metropolitan Board of Works map of Melbourne and suburbs, proposed order of works in in sewage scheme in 1897, 1897. That's right. And uh, all the sewage went, um, just look at the map, Northcote, Brunswick, Essendon, Coburg, Malvern, St Kilda, Brighton. It all sort of flowed down to um, <coughs> this place at Spotswood. It's all gravity feed downhill and then they, um, they had to sort of pump it up again so it would all flow down to Werribee. <laughs> so that was sort of the, uh, the basic uh, purpose of it. But... Uh, it was even the style of the building when you go inside um, down the front of each building uh, with the sort of small towers of they look like towers they're probably you know, only perhaps two and a half stories high um, that they contained offices and things but it was sort of old world type uh, decor with fireplaces <laughs> It was quite quiet, really, um, considering it was a pumping station, and they've got a picture of this um, residence that was there. What, what do they call it? The um, just trying to find it. Um, oh, the residence of the engineer in charge. <laughs> so they must have had uh, people running around with, uh, uh, you know, pointy oil cans and engine drivers hats oiling these things. But uh, it was uh, quite interesting. I sort of. Uh, if it's ever open, you want to get down there. Unfortunately, they don't have glass pipes or anything like that. <laughs> oh, that'd be good, wouldn't it? But, uh, oh, it's quite interesting. Oh, it's uh, quite wrapped. But uh, as I say, the people I went with, uh, they sort of got sick of it after a while. Yeah, I, I, 
just down, uh, hopefully it'll be open before too long. Yes. And um, I've seen the Caram works. Oh, yeah, I haven't seen that. That'd, mm. that'd be worthwhile. They have open days occasionally. Yes. And uh, also they sometimes have uh, open days where they have a distant trunk sewer. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's possible things have. That could be quite interesting. I hope they turn to the last museum and things. Yeah. See the original character and everything? Oh, yes, yes. Well, we've got to have the original character. Because <laughs> part of the whole science museum's moving down to some South Yarra or something, or South Melbourne, isn't it? Are they? Well... And the idea is the art, art building, art's going to take over all the, the old museum. No, the library's going to take over the museum. Yes. And uh, all the science museum's moving to a new building, a new technology building. Oh, I think right. they're going to in involve Spotswood somehow, too. Does that mean that all that uh, good gear they've got in the uh, the basement will all be um, put out on display and uh, we'll all get to see it. This is part of it. It's part of the situation is that so much of it isn't open to the public and they'll be able to display more of the goodies. Yeah. So Chris Long, Stout Historian, will be able to show more their TV systems and their video discs or, you know, Edison discs or whatever he has there. He specialises in. Yes, well, that'd be quite interesting. Like... Um, Oh, the times that I've been in in the last few years, it's been the same same displays, really, and uh, now you can push the buttons and watch the machinery go around and that sort of thing. But Oh, they've had a few uh, different ones. I went to see the uh, the dinosaur one they, they had there. That was, oh, I suppose, reasonably interesting. And uh, They sort of charge you to get into those, which uh, was a bit... Uh, it is poor, isn't it, when it's a public thing? That's right. It's a public building and all that. Mm. supposed to try and make something out of it but they had a sort of like all people these days they have a had a merchandising section that uh, you can go and buy things and you've got uh, ankle biters going along with you uh, and they tend to want to want something and uh, always turns out a rather expensive day. That's right it's best to have no marketing in the place at all. Yes that's right so that's what we should have for 160 metres a a merchandising section we could uh, uh, plug the items you could have uh, 160 meter um, cassettes <laughs> and uh, oh, I thought that that's right you could have you know n- not not a uh, a copy of a copy of a copy off a, a recording of a mission you could have the you know the real one done off the uh, original logging tape and uh, um, full dynamic range <laughs> so when you're sitting in your car at the traffic lights you can uh, pick up all the uh, all the subtle comments that uh, go on. I'm just still looking through this thing about the uh, sewage work. But anyway, I must get down to the uh, the Karen one. I have been told that it's uh, quite quite worthwhile seeing. I, I like to go to those sort of offbeat places. Uh, it's all very well to go to the, you know, it's nice to go to the uh, zoo or something occasionally, but uh, some of these other places that uh, people sort of shy away from, they can be... Uh, well, it's billions of dollars of public money, you know, in them. No, they're massive works, massive engineering works. Yeah, that's right. Well, see, there was another one, uh, another offbeat one I went on, um, when was it? Must have been middle of last year. They, um, they had the crematorium open, open day at Springvale. So, oh, that'd be yeah, well, they had it open one, um, one Sunday afternoon, so I thought, oh, I felt like, you know, I was a bit morbid or something, but the manager there said, no, there's nothing to worry about, you know, not being morbid and reassured everybody. and they sort of got in a bus and they uh, drove you around the the whole um, well the whole cemetery I suppose you'd call it and uh, then of course the finale of the um, of the tour was the uh, was the ovens 
Mm. Oh no, everybody wanted to go and I think everybody was a bit uneasy at first but they, they took you through the, the whole process if, if, um, if that's perhaps the term you use you know, where, they, where you're going for the actual funeral part oh, yeah. and, and then they took you through um, out the back room and show you what, what the workmen do and explain all the, um, the things that don't happen that people think happen and uh, then they, they sort of all goes on a conveyor belt sort of arrangement um, oh there's there's actually two ends to it, an old part and a new part, but the new part, uh, you know, it all happens on conveyor belts and they're very safety conscious because these conveyor belts are sort of about uh, 12 feet um, above your head and they've got a, uh, a cage over it so that nothing will fall on top of the workmen and, uh, oh, it was uh, quite interesting and, uh, you know, when, when you go to it, forced to go to these places, uh, you sort of realise uh, what, what goes on, but... Oh, oh, it certainly was and... Uh, Oh uh, yeah, that sort of filled in uh, most of the uh, most of the afternoon, and then you were sort of allowed to walk around and have a look. And of course, the uh, uh, as they termed it, the operation wasn't active. <laughs> and uh, I said, "Oh, if you ever want to come out during the week, we'll just bring up. There's no problem uh, in seeing the uh, complex working of it." Well, goodness, that'd probably be going going a bit too far, but uh, yeah, I <laughs> didn't go as far as that, but. Uh, Oh, it's all part of life, and uh, oh, it's uh, like the sewage farm and other places. It's uh, wor worthwhile going. It's a little bit different, but I sort of didn't mention it to anybody elderly I know, but a uh, few people that joke about it, but uh, it's all general knowledge, and you sort of uh, find out when people are talking rubbish and you actually know what, what does... What's going on, yeah. What, what goes on. Yeah, it's a very pleasant place, too, with trees and things. Oh, yes, yes. A very, very restful atmosphere. <laughs> yeah, well, I suppose it should be. Yeah. I didn't know they had open days in a place like no, well, he said this is the first one they, they'd had, and he said to me, we would prefer not to have it. And I thought, oh, this is where we're going to all get a serve. And he said, if we were to have it, he said he'd prefer to have it during the week when the place is going. And I thought, well, goodness, you know, um, you sort of think, well, you know, you'd be turned away from a place like that. But uh, they said uh, they often have uh, people going out there uh, during the week and... Uh, after you see it, you sort of think about it for a few weeks and you think, oh, you know, I couldn't go through something like that if I departed this earth. But uh, after a while, the feeling wears off and, you know, you realise you're dead, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> um, what were the other people like in the tour? Were they just interested in things or were they, some of them might have had a slight morbidity in their thinking? Or uh, some of them were um, <clears throat> about retiring age and they actually had um, one of the ovens... Um, Oh, they call them furnaces. Um, open, and they had a you know a lead light poked in there, so you could put your head in and have a look. And uh, they had sort of fire bricks inside, but um, there's doors at each end. They put the the box in one end and seal it up, and they sort of put a flame through the other end. And it's all well. It's not auto, uh, as automated as a lot of them apparently, but it's uh, you don't actually sort of see anything happening until they open the door. But um, well, there's, I think there's uh, six of these furnaces and they uh, they loaded those up. That's, that's the term they used, loading the furnace. <laughs> but uh, the actual coffins, they just uh, peel the uh, the handles off. Um, they don't open them or anything like that. They just go straight in. And So if uh, someone was wearing jewellery and they should have been, well, it's got to go back to the... the coffin's got to go back to the... Uh, to the place from where it came, nothing's opened on the on the premises. They don't do any of that, so it's pretty well controlled. And uh, 
any metal or anything, they, they melt down on the on the site, like the handles and that sort of thing, and uh, they they do sell it, but uh, they made the point that uh, what they make from, say, melting down the handles and things like that uh, wouldn't wouldn't really, actually, they do it at a loss. But uh, So there's no sort of recycling or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, oh, that's very interesting. Was well, this just advertised in the paper or something? Yeah, I, I saw it in the in the paper. They had a, a few lines, and uh, I just you know, sort of caught my eye, and I thought, oh, well, I haven't been there, so you know, any sort of odd thing, I'm sort of in for that at uh, all these places. I, I don't know when, when perhaps they'd have another one, but if you're interested, you could probably uh, uh, ring them up and go and see the complex operating. <laughs> yeah, well, unfortunately, I've seen it during the week, and, you know, due to other reasons. Yes. So, uh, <laughs> Yeah, I suppose it doesn't really cross your mind. The thing just disappears and you don't really think much about it. But, uh, yeah, certainly interesting uh, that they decide to have it open. You think they yeah. wouldn't really like the public. Well, that's right. Yeah. Well, what sort of... Um, they've got an old part where the old chapels are and um, it's sort of closer to that. Oh, it's very hard to tell because it's sort of half underground. But the newer part, they, so they've got this sort of conveyor belt thing where they, they hook them on and it goes along a, a rail. But um, what was the point I, I forgot? Oh, yes, the point I was trying to make that actually down under there they've got a, um, a lunch room <laughs> and it's a room off to the side. It's like it's all quite clean and everything and it's got a nice tile floor and everything. It's all properly looked after. And I, I, I couldn't imagine the, you know, the workers doing the job and then going around the corner washing your hands and having your lunch, you know, a few sandwiches. <laughs> but I suppose it's, it's yeah. just a job. <laughs> Uh, no, no, the, everybody was sort of just sort of um, rubbernecking, I think they were sort of quite interested, I know I was, uh, actually after you get over the initial shock, you know, when you, when he says to me, or when you go out sort of in the chapel part and you go around the back and down sort of thing, everybody I think was a bit on edge, including myself, because you know, you, you don't know what you're going to see and, uh, um, well, you know, it's, I thought oh, I was going to be a strange smell or something like that, well, yeah. it, it didn't well, no, there wasn't sort of a, you know, a smell you like, what you might like, what you thought you might smell, if I can put it that way. Yeah, yeah. It was pretty good. Well, I suppose it would have to be. Yeah, that's interesting, because I know did a tour of uh, certain sewage works, certain people <laughs> making jokes, the obvious jokes all the time, which I think the engineer in charge showing us around a bit, yeah. bit sick of. But, um, yeah, I used to work in a place that, was behind a certain um, parlour in the Grange Road, actually. Oh, right, Both yeah. Of you, still there. Yeah. And um, there's an engineering workshop that's not there anymore, I don't think. And there's quite strange smells came from there quite often. <laughs> um, so, I don't know what it was all about. But, uh, yeah, yes, yeah, so, you know, it leaves, the, you know, leaves it to the imagination, I suppose. But, uh, yeah, no, there were, there were no jokes. Nobody sort of... Um, I can imagine some of the jokes at the sewage farm. I'd probably be guilty of cracking those myself, but obviously to the staff it'd probably probably wear a bit thin. But certainly that's that's my next port of call. I'll have to go to uh, go to a sewage farm. That, uh, as I say, I've heard it's uh, really uh, quite uh, quite interesting. Have you actually been to Werribee? Um, not the sewage farm. I've been oh. down to the zoo there, but uh, yeah. uh, not to the actual farm. Yeah, because we used to go there quite often. Um, you know, for various. Missions, purposes. Yes. But apparently, that's uh, used to be able to go there whenever you wanted to. 
Mm. It's almost like a public park, really. <laughs> but now, apparently, they've uh, they've got security men that's a bit hard to get in. They don't like people just wandering around without uh, reason, which is a bit of a... Oh, I see. I wonder why uh, they're wonder worried about people wandering around. Or... I don't know. Apparently, originally, the, the security was done by the, the border works men themselves, you know. Yes. And they'd come up and they'd say, oh, you know, g'day, what are you doing? Oh, I'm putting up tenders and doing big missions. Oh, I'm interested. Okay. Well, you know, have fun and you know, see you around. Yes. Now what they've done, they've leased out the security to, to Warmold or someone. Oh, yeah. And of course, all they've been, their brief is to keep no one allowed there without proper opinion, you know, reason. Mm. And they're, they're very hard to get along with and they just kick you out. Mm. So, um. Oh, that's messed up. How, how's the Karen one, that sort of thing? Would that well, be? Well, the Karen's different, you see. But the Werribee farms are monstrous, just a big, big bit of land, really. But the Karen place is behind fences and a little building and, and that. Yeah. I mean, that's obviously secure because it's um, the fact that there's machinery there and so forth. Right. It's uh, much easier to keep secure. Yeah. You just can't drive in because there's gates and things. Yeah. No, that's, uh, that's unfortunate. I didn't realise that was the, that was the case. But, uh, yeah. yeah was... Well, the last big missions we had from there, we had to... Because uh, we used to just go down there, no one would care. Mm. And we went down there you know, a few days before the missions to sort of just you know, check out a few things. And they put a tenant up the truck next to get things ready. Yeah. And this, you know, this truck pulled up with security. What the fuck are you? Of course, see that the, the, the workmen have just been, you know, been very helpful. Yeah. And, and this guy comes up and says, uh, you know, what are you doing? I said, oh, you know, it's, it's a big mission. You know, it happens quite often here at the time. And he basically told us, you know, to go and make it. Yeah. Because we didn't have authority for the power to be. So you have to get a, a written um, license or something uh, yeah. every time you want to do portable missions from the, uh, the farm. From the farm. That's really poor. Like I meant to say, you're a taxpayer, and uh, exactly. and you should be sort of entitled to this sort of thing. Uh, that's really a small price to pay for uh, what, what rates you pay every year. The game reserve and people go and shoot ducks and things. Oh. And, you know, it's obvious we weren't interested in shooting or doing anything right. damaging to the what might be damaging to the honesty, it wouldn't be damaging to the pond. Yes, that's but, right. Um, so we rang up and told them we were coming and, you know, then during the night a big a truck came up and, you know, the guy said, what's going on here? And we told him it was just big mission. He, he, wasn't, he wasn't overly impressed. There wasn't much you can do when there's a, you know, a couple of dozen people sitting around doing missions. I mean, what, what can you do? Go and call the wherever you police or something. Yes. I'm sure they've got more important things to do than, you know, people sitting around a minute in the middle of a Yes, I suppose he uh, uttered a few words into his little walkie-talkie and uh, confirmed it with the base that uh, th that indeed, yes, they're entitled to be here. And uh, yeah, that's right. I, I like the way. Uh, uh, I think you have to be a particular type to be a security guard. Just near where I work, there's one that um, looks after the uh, automatic uh, teller machine. Oh yeah. And here he is sitting there with his his big gun and. Uh, uh, and they all seem to wear these uh, sunglasses that, uh, that, that you can't see through. And, you know, you, ne you never know where, where, where they're looking. <laughs> yeah, they're big Rambo men. Yeah, that, that's right. And uh, he's standing there with this, this gun and uh, defending the uh, the auto bank machine or, the, or whatever it is. That's right. <laughs> it must be a bit boring job. Well, he's there all the time and he's there from the time the bank opens to the bank closes and he, I've never seen him move. He might, perhaps his eyes move and that's why he's got the glasses, but uh, he certainly looks uh, looks very threatening. Uh, oh, very threatening. I'm very scared and I walk. 
That's right. I've sort of been, I'm next time I might try and talk to him because he's sort of next door to the news agent. I go in and out of there a bit, and I just see if they have got a sense of humour. Normally they, normally they haven't because that's why they're in that type of work. That's right. Well, I'm not at the board of work at moment. Yes. Uh, oh. Yeah, so, well, that's quite interesting. You've been a busy man on all the, uh, the free tours, then. Oh, yes. Well, you've got to go on these free tours. Uh, if they're free, well, they're so much the better, and uh, usually the best things in life are free. <laughs> that's quite true, yes, yes, yes. Uh, many more people didn't realise that. Yes, that's, that's very true. Mm. Oh, yes. Yeah. What's the longest mission we've had for some years, actually? Well, it's... I don't think I've ever had my meter on this long before. I was just feeling the plug before. It's a little bit warm, but uh, I'd have to say that the emitters would be uh, very reliable. And, uh, yeah, hasn't um, Mr. Beat there? There's a little bit of static just behind you if you yes. get through. Yes. But, um, you know, basically it's not too bad. So mm. it's all been logged and it should be able to be tightened up and made into a nice program. Oh, yes, I, I think so. Um, I'm halfway through uh, <clears throat> the tape at the moment. Once I think that expires, I'll... Uh, about another 10 minutes or so, I think I'll probably uh, probably give it away. Oh, well, we can keep it going till then, then? Yes, yes, uh, uh, it won't be long at all. So, uh, yeah, that thing's your crap on your mission. Yes, yeah, yes, that's, um, uh, it's the wind again. Yeah. Uh, just hang on, I'll just, uh, right, okay, it's definitely the tennis, that's sort of quietened down. No, it hasn't. Oh, I'm not um, yeah. I haven't thought of a, a system, I don't know whether it worked, that each each user has this um, <clears throat> uh, in, their, in their wireless. They have a, uh, sends out a digital information in that what it would do is turn the transmitter on and off very quickly. And um, by interlinking them, um, uh, say into a, as you say, a, a simplex repeater, this digital code could turn it uh, on and off and so they're all synchronised so that um, uh, when you're using it um, your transmitter is being turned off say at a, a 20 or a 40 kilohertz rate as you talk and if it was that quickly you wouldn't know so that it's listing one minute and transmitting another and that, that may be sort of a, a, a way, way around it. But oh, that would increase all sorts of very complex problems far beyond my uh, brain I think. <laughs> Yeah. You could do it with some high-speed relays, probably. <laughs> yeah, shattering relays. Yes. Yeah. Uh, or, or a clunking union selector or something. Yeah. It went round fast enough, but uh, yeah. it's sort of the approach, but you have to adopt an electronic uh, approach to it, I think. Rain got two metres, I can be never repeat, really. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty good, as you know, if you've got antennas up fairly high. Hmm. Um, but uh, mainly just the handhelds around the city are a bit, bit awkward. Not yes. Not handhelds, like... Someone in the city with a handheld I can talk to from here, mm. but the handheld to handheld range is a hard one. Yes. And I thought if you had something boosted to some extent, yeah. uh, the alternative would be to have, you know, like um, what was set up at one stage, you know, UHF to two metres. Yes. And you could use, you know, UHF handhelds and then they'd be resistant Get, get one of these full duplex ones, you could do that quite easily. It'd be very expensive. Oh, certainly would. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, that's sort of something I was sort of looking to uh. work. Yeah, sometimes when you, um, I, I presume you um, take your handheld into the workplace and use it, I've heard it here, it's uh, quite, quite strong. I presume that's where it's, uh, the missions are uh, emanating from. Yes, well, it's work or whatever. Close to you there, isn't it? Yeah. 
You don't get into any of the equipment or anything? You don't see all the monitors cross hatches? <laughs> Equipment gets into the mid and goes for a real um, Does it? thermal squirrel. Nice. No. Hash and microwave into it. Yeah. Is your particular place, are they concerned about um, radiation in the building as affecting staff and little things like that? Well, I suppose they are. They're more worried, they're worried about asbestos. They've pulled everything down. Hmm. This might be asbestos. But see, the radiation is only from monitors and stuff. Yes which is not much worse than a TV set, I suppose. Um, but there's not much RF equipment, and mm. a few microwave dishes in there sort of fairly high up in the tower. Mm. So, you know, I don't think it's really uh, much of an issue, as safety. Yeah, well, of course, uh, even the ones uh, up north of the city at uh, Lower Plenty, why they're being built around, I know the, uh, the 3DB one, there's buildings across the road, and that was a, oh, it's a few years since I've been out there, but uh, I... Um, went for a drive all through them and uh, houses going up everywhere and uh, uh, you know imagine sitting amongst all of those um, be uh, quite a bit of a uh, bit of RF about it could be a worry it would be yeah, to, yeah sure, all these uh, missions going at once and uh, all mm. sorts of things at least you could run lights in your house without having to turn on the switch <laughs> yeah have you seen some of these uh, modern meters that are going in these days uh, I've been to the Madeline, it seems, for a while. It's basically uh, these Harris things, sort of digital uh, hmm. pulse with modulator type things. Yeah, well, these, um, oh, the, the government people <laughs> uh, are putting in uh, these, they're called Nortels. It's a, uh, a solid state emitter. Um, oh, yeah. The one's been done down in, um, oh, what's the station down in, uh, down uh, in the west, uh, the big... Yes, yeah, the one with the big hat on the top. Well, they've built a new building out the back of that, and it's got one of these uh, 50, 50 kilowatt uh, Nortel solid state things. And uh, Gee. they, uh, well, you know, big missions, and I believe, uh, you know, the local ones here's getting some new ones, and uh, the days of big bottles are, are going, and uh, these emitters are pretty small. And I've seen the, um, <clears throat> the one uh, 3SR, I was working there one day, and I thought, oh, I'll go for a drive drive out and have a look at the tower and I get out there and there's two towers and there's one sort of down the road on the left which is the one and there's another one down the right and what had happened apparently the tech happened to be at the station uh, when I arrived and you know just sheer fluke and explained it all and apparently they had some arrangement with the farmer and that farmer had ceased that arrangement and they had to buy some land oh, about oh, I think it was about a K or two down the road on the right so they put a new building up and a new tower and here's this old missions building and this tower just sitting there and this farm and I said what's happening to the tower? He said oh well we don't know it's going to stay there as far as we know so here's this this cocky he's <laughs> got this tower <laughs> So, uh, yeah, well, that's right. So I thought, well, you know, what's going on here? I thought, there's Shepparton's only got one. There's only one 3SR, you'd have to admit. Yeah. And uh, there's these two missions towers. So I don't know whether they've pulled it down or if it's still there, but that's, oh, two years ago anyway. Yeah. So uh, it's uh, quite interesting. Yeah, sort of, um, do you think it'd be a value if you'd pick them and then keep the missions room for yourself? Well, that's right. It's all sort of vandalised, vandalised proof, and uh, you, you couldn't uh, you could keep your your one sixty metre mission box in there without uh, uh, too much uh, problem. But the actual meter at 
the 3SR, the, the meter itself, well, I think it was a 5 kilowatt job, <laughs> and it was just a bit bigger, uh, marginally bigger than a refrigerator. And you sort of look across at the, they're using the old meter as a standby, and it was sort of well, three or four times the size. So Amazing, isn't it? Certainly is, and uh, no, no big modulation transformers or anything like that. They don't do it that way. Yeah. And uh, they plug in all these panels that, say, might be. Um, Oh, ten, 100 watts or 500 watts a panel and yeah. if one blows they just pull it out and plug another one in and so it's redundancy sort of thing yeah that's right and one dies well you know the place is not off the air you don't have to run parallel meters and you know change over systems and all sorts of things yeah that's right so uh, I believe um, all the locals around Melbourne have done that and uh, um, it's very interesting so uh, big changes in the broadcasting industry yeah. I noticed um, LO uh, some time back, they, if you really turned the, uh, the volume up in car radio, they had crosstalk on the lines. You could hear this um, continuous busy tone, and uh, oh, it did disappear after a day or so. They must have realised it, but uh, uh, they must have had some sort of problem with the cabling. Or Have you actually been down to the transmitter at 3GI? I've only driven past it. Oh, look, it's worthwhile going in. Um, I had a, I've had a couple of jobs in there, and uh, uh, there's this... Uh, oh, he's a nice chap. He's actually an amateur. I better be careful what I say. <laughs> but uh, he, uh, he, he runs the place. He's there by himself, and usually he's there. Uh, and, uh, oh, he's quite a, quite a character. He's, you know, one of the, uh, the old school. The old school, <laughs> But, you know, like a lot of those places, um, maintaining the, the standard of the missions is sort of very important. It keeps you occupied all the time in that you sit at the control room desk and twiddle your thumbs. Yeah. And one day I had to go down there to check out a, a job and uh, I rang the front doorbell and there was no answer and I went round the back and the back door was locked. And I could... <laughs> he was playing this clarinet in the control room. <laughs> So uh, I went round to the window next to the control room and, you know, tapped on the window. And I'd never seen a poor guy jump so high. He turned round and he nearly swallowed the clarinet. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I thought it was a managing director. Well, well, that's right. Well, he said to me, goodness, he said, you gave me such a start. And I said, well, look, I, I rang the front door bell and I thumped on the back door and there was, there was no reply. And uh, anyway, he suitably recovered. But uh, I've never seen a guy jump so hard. And as I say, the, the clarinet nearly went all the way down into his stomach. <laughs> Yes, but, uh, oh, it's, it's worthwhile having a look there. They're putting new meters, solid-state meters in there. In fact, I think they, they're going now. They're getting rid of uh, the uh, 10 kilowatt job they had there and one of these solid-state things, so they're going in everywhere. But the good part about it, they were, they were keeping the standby 2 kilowatt, an old uh, you know, AWA job with doors that open and glass windows. They're keeping that as the emergency, so I thought, well, in all this progress, at least they know, they know quality. <laughs> But of uh, course, while I was there, I had to open the doors and have a look inside it and uh, see the 807s glowing in the crystal oscillator and everything off. Oh, I was very, very impressive and uh, those uh, those big triodes. How do you get a five kilowatt meter? Oh yes. considerable uh, <laughs> I certainly would. Uh, that's right. Trouble about the the three phase. I'm quite about three phase for a normal domestic supply, and uh, apparently there's, there's no problem. It doesn't cost you all that much to uh, to get it on really. Um, the SEC, I think, will put the drop wire in, going to your house for free. I think you have to pay for the meter, but any additional wiring 
you know, if you want to run an arc welder in your garage or something, you've got to pay an electrician to do that, but it's comparatively cheap, and uh, uh, the metre that they use is the same as the, uh, whether it's three-phase or single-phase metre, it, uh, it's the same as, it doesn't matter, that you just have the one metre and they read the metre the same, so, you know, when you get a big metre, well, there's no problem about three-phase. <laughs> Well, it certainly, like, you know, it certainly gets through the static a lot better. Oh, yes. Um, do, uh, well, look, the thing is, in the US, they can run, they run it for the power. Yes, that's Amazing, right. Isn't it? Yes. Well, see, I was thinking about it, uh, not so much for a emitter, but I was going to get a, uh, an arc welder, and I thought, oh, well, I'd better have three-phase plug out in the garage, but I sort of never... Um, never persisted with the idea but I was quite amazed really how much it, it doesn't cost like there's I think it was $90 for a new meter but yes well you have to pay to get an electrician to uh, run the cabling from the meter to the um, to wherever you want it but uh, apart from that it's um, it's pretty pretty straightforward and they don't apparently ask questions about if you want three phase because uh, a lot of houses have it these days with uh, air conditioners and arc welders as I wanted to do so uh, that's right there's no, no great problem. What I would like to do is um, build up a, you know, a Halicoff 160 and try it on the car. Yes. And uh, just see what sort of range you get. Yes. I've got one I've wound up if you want to borrow it at any stage. It's a, a nine foot one in two sections. But nine feet? Yes. Yeah, it's quite, quite, a, quite a long one. Um, it, it used to go reasonably well. I used to run a Harbross AM rig into it. It was only about four and a half watts and I remember um, being mobile um, out in Cranbourne it was and I was speaking to someone in Melbourne and I thought well that wasn't bad for an inefficient helical whip when you think of say nine feet as compared it should be perhaps a 120 odd feet long um, sort of most inefficient type of aerial and uh, it wasn't uh, oh you know they weren't strong they were probably about a five and three something like that but uh the what, did it get caught in trees and things? Or? No, no, not really. Um, <clears throat> I, um, garages were perhaps, a, uh, service stations were a bit of a hazard. But it, it, I had a spring on the back of the, uh, the bumper bar of the car and uh, if you hit anything, because it just all sort of uh, went for a bit of a bend and stood up again. So I was, uh, I had a f bashed into a few things with it, but it, it sort of remained intact. So it was pretty robust sort of. Oh, that'd be fine. And I can mount it in the bull bar and uh, just see what sort of range you get. I don't know what I'd use it for. I'm sure two metres would work better. <laughs> but it'll be interesting to see what, you know. Oh, yes. So if you... Fairly, uh, you could use it as a, you know, mobile link and... Uh, oh, that's right. ...wouldn't many people on. See, if you're doing um, field strength measurements with your car radio, that'd be the ideal thing to plug it into because it'd be, uh, well, it's a fully resonant aerial and uh, probably go just a little bit better, I suppose. Yeah, it can be hard too. Yes, yeah. I'd also like to try it, compare it with the big tenors and listen down the link and see what the difference is. Um. Uh, so, so long as you don't run 150 watts into it, oh, it'll right. go, go for a big cook, I think. 10, 10 watts. Yeah, that's yeah. about it. Oh, well, I've run 150 watts of sideband into it and it didn't seem to mind it. It got a bit warm. You could, um, you could after transmissions had ceased and sort of felt it and it was warm, warm. the copper does does heat up a bit but uh, didn't short out any turns or anything so I think it's yeah. reasonably uh, robust sort of thing. I just got a 10 watts of the valve rig thing here. Oh yeah, no, it'd be ideal for that. Yeah. Uh, well we've got about, uh, probably about another three minutes of uh, 
for, for stuff to go. So yeah, well, that's uh, that's. I think that's probably pretty close. So it's been uh, nice having a, a chat with you, and uh, I hope the uh, listeners have. Uh, well, hope they're still awake anyway. Twenty to three, goodness. So uh, <laughs> at that, I'll call the morning. So we'll we'll say morning to you, and uh, I'll let you get to bed, and uh, we'll say morning to the listeners and. Uh, you haven't uh, had the phone-in number advertised at all tonight, I don't think so. so uh... No, no, I'd have to go and get the phone actually. Because <laughs> we could have perhaps taken a few calls or something. But, uh... We could have. Because <laughs> uh, you can get the other side of it, so... Uh, yes. You could have... Uh, they could have spoken to the big, big man of missions and... Uh, yes. Ask you all, you know, they ring up and you, they ask personal questions. You ask know. you for your favourite recipe or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, it's all very... Yes. All right then. Well, we'll say uh, morning to you, Mr. Stew. Uh, thanks for the uh, the chat the last uh, few hours or so. And uh, glad the missions have held up. And uh, we're just about out of tape, so with that, we say morning.